welcome to this episode of Money Matters TV. My name is Kelly Stewart of The Positive Business, and we have a fabulous show in line for you today. And I'm joined by my co-host, John Mason, Chairman, CEO, and President of New Finance. Hi, John. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Kelly. So good to see you. So good to see you as well. It's just, uh, it's been a while. And um, I can't help but thinking that there are probably a few things we could talk about that's going on in the world of finance and the stock market. In fact, we might even want to start with a, a Federal Reserve meeting that was yesterday. Well, the Federal Reserve meeting seemed to kick off a lot of things yesterday. Uh, uh, the uh, announcement came out uh, about that the Fed was going to uh, really maintain its uh, uh, easy stance. Uh, Chairman Powell came out and uh, in his announcement, he uh, um, said all the right things in terms of uh, how the Fed was going to su support uh, the financial system, the financial markets. Uh, how they were going to uh, continue to buy securities and and uh, uh, things like that, and so you know the the uh, initial uh, result coming out of the Federal Reserve meeting was much as it has been for the last two to three months. And so, what does this mean in terms of the stock market? Then, how did they respond to this this news? Was it a surprise to them? Well. The stock market went up with the first announcement coming out of the Federal Reserve. I'm, yeah, it went up, uh, uh, and uh, they were hearing things that gave them support, and which is uh, in the past allowed them to trust the Federal Reserve in terms of uh, what the Federal Reserve was doing. Then the stock market turned down. Right. And for the day, for instance, the S&P uh, 500 closed down uh, 17 points. Not much, but it was uh, quite a turnaround uh, from the initial reaction to the Fed's, uh, Fed's uh, meeting. Mm. So then what is all this doing? Is there a relationship for our viewers? Let them know with the value of the U.S. dollar. Is there an impact on that? Is it positive, negative? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. Okay. And uh, if I, uh, uh, given that the stock market is down, last time I looked today, the stock market is down about 1,600 points. And the um, Standard & Poor's is down around 160 points. Okay. So uh, the, the stock market's really taking a hitting today. And what it seems to me happened was that the, uh, uh, the investment community really listened mm -hmm. to what the Fed was saying and what the Fed was projecting. The first thing that Powell said was, we don't expect interest rates to go up and we don't expect them to go up next year. Mm -hmm. And in the Fed's projections, they don't go up the next year after that. That is the uh, effective federal funds rate, the Fed's target policy rate of interest is expected to be 0.1 in 2020, 0.1 in 2021, and 0.1 in 2022. And you say, well, why is that? Well, basically the forecast that the 
Federal Reserve is giving is not a very cheery one. In fact, it's one that I think really uh, upsets the whole Washington view that we hit, the market has been operating on. Mm-hmm. For one thing, the um, the economy is uh, they've got the economy declining by 6.5% this year. That's year over year. That's fourth quarter 2019 to fourth quarter 2020, 6.5%. So that's all down. The next year, they've got the stock market, the GDP coming up, but only by 5%. So at the end of 2021, we will not be, the economy will not be to the level it was in 2019, fourth quarter. So that's what we're looking for in the next two years. The unemployment rate that they have for the fourth quarter uh, of 2020 is 9.5%. Well, that's pretty high. Now, what did the, the investment community draw from that, Kelly? Right. What they drew from that was that this is not going to be a V-shaped economic recovery like the Trump administration has has been uh, forecasting very optimistically. Mm -hmm. The recovery is going to be slow and it's going to be very extended. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, uh, that is totally different then right. what I think stock uh, uh, investors in the stock market had, had been looking for. And this is dealing now, and, and Chairman Powell even got into some d- discussions of this, that um, and with the news today coming out, we got have 44 million people that have uh, claimed unemployment over the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Um there is a research paper that has come out from uh, Stanford and uh, uh, with a couple other authors that said of those that have claimed unemployment, the their research shows that 42% of those, get right. that, 42% of that 44 million people will not return to the jobs that they have held. Wow. That, that's massive. And, which means now, yeah, you're going to have employment coming back. You're going to have the eco- economy recovering. But now you've got a completely different structure to the economy. And again, that's not what the Trump administration had been forecasting. Well, you know, I'm sorry. So, sure. Um, I, you know, it looks like we might be running out of time because I would love to talk about this more, revisit the dollar. So, and uh, I know you've got some ideas on this that are always forward thinking. So um, hopefully we'll be able to do this again really soon to cover some of that. But I think it's uh, time for us to actually go to our questions. So thank you, John, for all of your great thoughts. And Sam Zach from Philadelphia asks, how do you see the credit market developing over the next six months? Well, uh, basically, the, the Federal Reserve will be doing everything that it can 
according to Chairman Powell, in order to make sure that the markets are liquid enough so that they continue to operate smoothly. The problem that's going to be coming up in the next uh, uh, few months and so forth is that I think you're going to see uh, a substantial increase in uh, uh, foreclosures and bankruptcies uh, and in some pretty good sized firms. I mean, we've already had J.C. Penney declare uh, bankruptcy. You've had uh, J. Crew declare bankruptcy. You've had Neiman Marcus declare bankruptcy. You've had Hertz uh, declare bankruptcy. Uh, the big news in the papers is the last few days is uh, Chesapeake Energy uh, is uh, 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 is just about in default on its bonds, and uh, and they're looking for it to declare bankruptcy in the near future. So wow. uh, you've got a credit market where the Fed is pumping money into it, but on the other side of the uh, uh, the equation, you've got companies whose whose sales and everything have uh, have been reduced so far that their cash flow is not allowing them to cover their debt issues. And these companies have huge amounts of debts on their book. So the credit market, I think, is going to be uh, relatively disrupted over Absolutely. the next six months uh, think, as this yeah. tries to work itself out. We'll definitely see more of that. I agree with you. And so we will keep tuned. I hope that answers Sam's question. And if you would like to send a question into the show, here's how you can do it. You can have your questions answered on Money Matters. Please go to our website, money-matterstv.com. On our homepage, click on the banner on the right that says, send us your questions. While you're on our website, you can find information about our hosts and guests, as well as show notes and links about this show and past shows. Money Matters is also available as a podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, so you can listen to Money Matters while you're on the go. That website address, again, is money, M-O-N-E-Y, dash matters, M-A-T-T-E-R-S, tv.com. Welcome back to Money Matters TV. I am so happy to introduce to you today a gentleman whose name is Ed Sullivan, and he is the CEO of Trust Exchange, and um, I would say fair to say a serial entrepreneur. And we are looking forward to having a great conversation with him today because Ed's got his finger on the pulse of a business challenge that many companies in many different industries face. And welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kelly. Excited to talk. Absolutely. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about Trust Exchange so our audience has an idea of what you're doing? Sure. So Trust Exchange is a, um, it's a new breed of software companies that has evolved pretty well in the consumer space and is now just emerging into uh, the business uh, realm. So uh, one of the powerful advances of the Internet in the past couple of years is the adoption of collaboration on the Internet. So uh, if you think about services like Uber and Airbnb, where people are matched up with drivers or uh, riders and or people that are looking for hotels and rooms, these platforms enable them to match each other up like a market, connect them with what they need, and have, help the transaction happen. Absolutely, so, they're they're great services. Yeah, so they so they they work by networking together these smart what I call smart crowds, people that know have a house to have a room to rent, have a, have a car that they're free to give a ride in, et cetera. 
And I think that we're going to see the emergence of, of this and the adoption of this in businesses uh, happen, especially if you consider um, uh, what the new normal will be relative to the, the, the COVID crisis, where collaborate, the collaborative economy is going to accelerate. The ability to work virtually, connect different people together and, and make things happen. So what Trust Exchange does is we facilitate that matching and connecting of people for business information and business professionals that may be monitoring a business or um, uh, looking at a vendor or a partner or a potential customer, and they need to check on that, check them out, initial due diligence, and then also need to monitor them on a recurring basis. So what types of um, business information specifically, could you share some examples either of that or, you know, just what, what people are looking for when they're, when they're doing yeah. their due diligence? So it's interesting the way we design the platform that inf the information is very flexible. So there's like the typical accounting based information, P&L, balance sheet, credit reports, et cetera. But we've expanded our ability to, to, to share information that might be operational. So uh, if I'm an IT provider, it might be helpful to my customers if I could prove to them that my network is secure. So I can give them a report that another third party does that's like a, a penetration test results on my firewall. Or if I am, we have uh, a, a client that's a, uh, a cannabis related business where they have to give the lab tests of their product to their state or the municipality or their bank to prove that it's, it's CBD and not something else. Okay. So we have a lot of flexibility on these events that makes our platform pretty powerful where we can bring together you know, the requester of an event type might be, I need a background check on you, or it might mean I need a lab result on your crop, and right. the validator would be, you know, the lab. So, in addition to some of what we would think of as the standard documents, I would say, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, right, there have been so many more certifications that have been added on to businesses. So, help me understand, and, and hopefully others, then what is the size of the market for this type of business information? So, so today, businesses spend hundreds of billions of dollars checking on each other. And uh, it's a very big problem, and they limit themselves to checking on things like, you know, what's your credit? Uh, are you viable? What's your balance sheet? Financial types of things, and not operational things. So the, the, so the trusted third parties that distribute this information are the big guys in the industry that broker in credit reports, for instance, right? Right. So what we're trying to do is open that up and make it so that you can uh, do things like a lab report or uh, a service level on, the, on some kind of IT infrastructure, or you can come up with something else on your own and not just rely on what the industry standard is. Right. Um, so the, the market's pretty big. We think that we have an opportunity to make it even bigger because of this operationalized data that we we enable to be shared on our platform. That's awesome, and I'm sure John would have some questions around this too. But how how do you see this applying to like the financial industry, given the nature of our show here? Yeah, so so um, uh, the financial industry, like a lot of other industries, uh, pharma, medical, healthcare, are highly re is highly regulated, and in a lot of cases, they have a regulatory obligation to monitor their third parties, whether it's a customer or a partner or a vendor. And uh, I think that the way they, well, I, I, the way they do it today is they, they trust these th other third parties 
and they look at things like standard financial due diligence and maybe some a technical audit. But they treat these things uh, like they're doing a one-time audit and it's an event. I'm going to get this information and getting this information is an event and I can rely on it for some period of time. Okay. However, when you consider what's going on today, right? Like is, is last month's balance sheet of this vendor or a customer valid today? So, right. you know, if you had the best financial information on uh, April 1st for all of your customers, all of your vendors, what does that look like on June 1st? Is sure. it the same? Is that company still in existence? Did they get the right. CARES Act loan? Did they lay people off? Is right. there staffing at half? Um, so with, with a system like trust exchanges, it enables banks to go in, create policies in our administrative uh, uh, overview of the of the platform, where they're going to create policies and create frequencies so that they could say, I want to look at different things. I might want to look at the merchant account balance. I might want to look at your customer rating. And, uh, or I want to look at your service levels and perhaps your uh, disaster recovery test. But rather than do it once a year, I want to do it quarterly and monthly or even a higher frequency. We have some like in, in, in other industries where we, we check things multiple times per day. So the ability to vary the frequency and what you're testing, I think is going to be important in this new normal as we emerge and maybe long term, but then also being able to collaborate with multiple parties and bring the data together and get this transparency on, on into the information. Right. I love that. So John, jump in at any time here if you have something you wanted to ask Ed, because I'm just fascinated by this. So I could talk to Ed all day long about it, but um, it just seems so relevant that we would have this updated information. And so then, um, and again- I unfortunately have missed a lot what Ed has said, and I'm sorry about that because it sounds very, very interesting, Ed. Um, one question I ask here is how long have you been in business? Hmm. So uh, Trust Exchange has been around almost, uh, I guess, about eight years. So uh, eight started years. the company. Yep. Started the company as kind of like a, a way for people to just monitor each other for news. And then we pivoted into uh, allowing our customers to customize what they monitor. Rather than just looking at press releases, I can say, okay, I want to look at your financials or I want to look at your lab test results. For the for the crop that you provided, or um, uh, we had one application where we were looking at disease tracking on farms. So mm -hmm. um, uh, the ability to kind of change that piece of information, change the frequency of it, I, I think is, is is a pretty powerful thing. That's that's, well, that's great. I, I, again, I've lost uh, been in and out a little bit here, but uh, one of the things that's so impressive to me about uh, companies that are going through the phases that you are is how you're learning and growing and changing uh, as you interact with your customers. And it's, it seems like you're very responsive to what's going on. And particularly with the uh, COVID-19 and all that's been go going on, uh, that I'm sure that uh, that has even increased uh, in recent months. So it, ha it, it has. It's, it's an interesting question because uh, all along, as we put our platform out there, we, we've had situations where customers have implemented a use case that we haven't seen. So we, there's an example of a shipping company that implemented an anti-human trafficking app where they could use our platform to make sure that their supply chain 
was compliant with the UN anti-human trafficking rules and guidelines and, and regulations. So in the case of COVID-19, one of our partners built an implementation for cities and towns to manage the, the, return, the return to normal process where they can, you know, the, the, the city manager or the mayor of the town can go in, create the procedures and policies, give a profile, have, have, these, have all the businesses in the town sign up on the platform, follow the rules for that particular business. So if it's a daycare center, here's the rules for the daycare center. If it's a church, here's the rules for the church. And then they can work on it collaboratively. So that's like, that's the, one of the cool things about our platform is it's like kind of like Waze, you know, the, the, right. the traffic app where we're, we combine people with knowledge about a certain thing, the same way Waze, you know, will tell you the traffic in downtown Philadelphia by pulling the people there, not by pulling the people in Washington, DC or LA. So same concept here where it's, Pulling the people in the town on, hey, what's going on with this business? Is it live? Did they have their uh, occupancy inspection completed by the city managers? Is the fire inspection completed? Did they do the most recent cleaning? Uh, and and be able to create those criteria, put them on the platform, and bring together all of the different uh, uh, contributors get, and get them to collaborate on the platform. I think oh, that's really exciting really cool. stuff. It really is, and I think with all of the data that they, people would have at their fingertips. It allows them to do something I would see potentially that sometimes gets rushed, right? Which is to make the data supported decision, right? So when you have all the data and you're not spending all of your time collecting it, then you can take that step back and look at it a little bit more holistically for yeah. you know, what are some other opportunities here. Also, what might we not have thought of before that's now becoming apparent because we've got everything at one time. Yeah, so it's, so it's like, with our system, you can get real-time changes broadcast to kind of the management team. So in, in the example of the town, the uh, mayors can see what's going on in their, in their, uh, with their um, different businesses as it happens. This business just failed this inspection or passed this inspection, they can go live. In the use case for banking, let's say there's uh, an important uh, critical vendor that might've just gone into bankruptcy. Hey, this guy just went into bankruptcy. Typically, you may not know uh, days, weeks, a month, maybe a quarter even, that your your uh, critical vendors in bankruptcy. So with our system, it gets broadcast as a, in a network, right? Where people can go in and put out events, uh, explain things, talk about things, and then the businesses themselves. So it, it's a double sided it's a double sided table, right? Where the problems on both sides. So if I'm a vendor for a bank and I have, you know, ten, twenty, a hundred, a thousand banks as my customers. I could put information out at a higher frequency and make sure that my customers are aware of what's going on. Hey, yeah, I'm in this bankruptcy, but it's not because of me, it's because of my landlord. And you know, here's what we're doing operationally. Here's our service levels. Here's our latest uh, penetration test results. So it allows both sides to be proactive, not reactive to whatever the situation is. Right. What kind of challenges then have businesses faced historically when they haven't had this type of information? Let me ask one more question, if oh, I might. Sure. Uh, what geographic area do you cover? What what geographic area do you, do you cover, Ed? Are you just uh, uh, northeast or north uh, eastern United States, or uh, are you all in the United States? Well, so we have users globally. <laughs> So um, we okay. have twenty. We have, so that's what I was wondering. Yeah, we have twenty-four thousand users. 
Uh, the enterprise users are mostly in the United States. We have a couple in the UK. In fact, we just won an award in the UK for one of the top cyber tech uh, companies in the, in, in, the, in the United Kingdom, and we're not located in the United Kingdom. Um, which is a, you know, we're in the cloud, so it's a kind of a, 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 the beauty of being in the cloud and leveraging these uh, uh, the collaboration tools to, to the max. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, what types of challenges? You've named a few of them, but you know, like kind of like the widespread when when organizations don't. I, I was let me say it this way. I was very drawn to your example of the bankruptcy, right? And um, so what are some of the things that could be avoided now with that type of information um, that people just haven't had the opportunity to do? Like what's the ripple effect of all of that when they don't have access to the time? Yeah. So, so I think it's going to be important as we kind of get into this new normal and get some kind of stability. And, and, and we may never be into like this perfectly stable uh, world. Um, I mean, I thought it was broken prior to this, but I think this is just going to accentuate the problem. But right, being able to, whether or not a company's in bankruptcy or not, they might have other operational challenges that were caused by caused by COVID. Like, you know, the, uh, the, the they might have had to temporarily lay off staff that they weren't able to get back. And right. Maybe they were critical staff for their IT department, and you know operationally they can't do those things anymore they can't do the high frequency testing or the backup and disaster recovery mm -hmm. so in the banking world you know that's going to be an important question as people come back to this and i'm sure the regulators are going to be looking at it as well right what is going on in this entire ecosystem are they good are your vendors okay are your critical vendors okay are your critical vendors vendors okay right and these problems can't really be solved using spreadsheets and right. classic software. They, 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 it's, it's, this information travels in the network and you need a network effect type of solution like ours to right. solve the problem. I mean, before, if you think about like humans and network effects, uh, prior to Facebook and Twitter, you probably had 25, 50 max in your network. Now, the average person on Facebook has 200 friends that they're interacting with, arguing about politics, uh, right. here's the pictures of my kids. So imagine you're a, a business and you have a thousand vendors or thousands of vendors, um, and they have vendors in turn. It's it's an exponential problem that can't be tracked with linear tools like spreadsheets. It it really deserves another type of solution. Absolutely, and I mean I think recently we've seen that in the supply chain and with the overused example that I'll use again. You know the run on toilet paper and other paper mm -hmm. products, and paper towels, and things like that. That you know it's it's not that those products weren't being produced, but if there was any type of early indication of of that happening, then those are some things that could have been avoided. So um, I just think this is really great. We are have about two minutes left in the show, so I would love to ask you. Um, you know, what are the other widespread opportunities that you see for this? Or if you have advice for people who are looking for this type of business information, what are some good next steps you would recommend for them in terms of just um, preparing yeah, so, for more real-time data? <laughs> so I, I think one of the challenges that we're having in the enterprise and probably my peers that have these kind of new newfangled platforms is that a lot of, a lot of uh, companies are hesitant to, to adopt things like in the financial industry adopting the cloud is kind of a big big challenge but in this new world it might be the way to go right you don't want to have your own data center anymore you want to have that data distributed 
Uh, you may want to use your providers and make sure that they are running in the same way, that they are running in the cloud. Um, but in terms of the collaboration, there, there's some regulations that kind of are archaic a little bit that might be blocking the ability for a bank to share information with a, a peer bank about a vendor's processing, whether or not they're processing mortgages or they've had an outage or things like that. But I think some of those things need to kind of come down, especially when you look at, you know, being able to uh, geographically diversify your workforce and have, have right. you know, you know, I don't need uh, somebody near me to be the expert in network penetration results. I'm going to go find the person that's the best in network penetration results and bring them on my team right. and have them collaborate with a tool like Trust Exchange. Well, certainly um, a, a ton of opportunity there and um, something that's, you know, as we are seeing in so many areas, the landscape's being reshaped, companies are reinventing, new processes are coming in. So thank you so much for joining us today on the show. I really thank appreciate you as well. that at Sullivan. It. And John Mason, always, um, always a pleasure thank to be with you. And so I want to invite everyone to stay tuned for our our next episode, which um, our guest will be Phil Camporiali from JP Morgan. So until then, be well and expect great things from everything you do.